right. All right. <laughs> it's been a little while Welcome since I've done an actual episode. The seatbelt sign is on. It's going to be a rough ride. <laughs> So, <laughs> welcome to the Flight Attendant Podcast. I am your host, B, and today with me is my friend, Jack. Jack, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. It's been a while since I've seen you. We haven't flown together in years. Like, maybe even more than five years. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. <laughs> how are you? How's everything? Uh, Everything's... Well, as for all flight attendants, we're all just hustling, yeah. right? Just flying all around and um, been struggling for the past couple of years. Yeah. As with all everybody, I think, you know, during the pandemic, we did all struggle and um, doing I'm in a good place now, but still hustling. Right. I'm doing good. Uh, like working a lot and just kind of taking vacation whenever I can, honestly. And it's it's the same. Like you work a lot, you burn out a lot, and there's something that we need to be doing about this. Thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thank you so much for uh, inviting me. Because uh, I mean, we haven't really flown with each other or seen each other for a long while, and I didn't even know that you're doing this this is amazing congratulations thank oh thank you yeah. thank you um so we'll just do um we'll just do a quick interview with you and if that's okay and then we'll kind of talk about other stuff yes so how long have you been flying uh too long <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh been a flight tenant for i'm on my ninth year now mm -hmm. i'll be i'll be having my 10 you know my ninth anniversary yeah so my 10th year on in september so yeah i i guess i'm a masochist if you can say i mean you know i guess it depends it, al <laughs> it allows us to have kind of the lifestyle that we want essentially so it's gotten a little bit harder now but um so what do you, why did you decide to become a flight attendant uh no honestly when i got into this career i didn't know it was going to be a career i didn't know mm -hmm. what i was getting into i just went in the interview and when they said oh you're going on training and i'm like okay i guess <laughs> do it i think that time uh i was working as a, a, a operations manager for a physical therapy agency and they sold mm -hmm. themselves to a larger company mm. and i didn't want to the, the headquarters just going to be a far commute Mm -hmm. So I'm, oh, let's look at other options. And uh, here I am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nine years later. Hey, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess we have to make a living. Might as well enjoy a little bit doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know I was going to enjoy it until yeah. I was already on the job. I'm like, you know what? I think I can do this for a long time. I really, <laughs> really, really like it. Yeah. And I still enjoy it to this day, for sure. That's good. That's good. I mean, we have to at some point, at least just by flying with our 
friends and stuff, you know, I feel like that's the only way to kind of keep a little sanity. I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I always tell people when, uh, especially the ones that are around our seniority, mm-hmm. uh, and they say that they wanted to transfer to another airline or do another career, I always tell them like, no, you need to be happy where you're at. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you know, don't let another week, another month, or worse, another year go by, you know, staying at a job where you're not happy with because you're just going to be miserable right whenever i see new flight attendants they're like kind of wondering should i leave for another airline should i do this i was like if you're already questioning it you might as well do it because like what's the why are you here trying to decide whether you should or shouldn't do it yeah don't let i I feel like uh the fear of the unknown is always the factor that is stopping them from doing what they really want or where they really want to be right yeah, it's not worth it. The misery that that you get from staying in a job where you don't really like is it's not worth it. Exactly. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite anecdote or a favorite story? Uh, from being a flight attendant. Yeah, from being a flight attendant. Oh shoot! Do you want a scary one or a funny one? Whatever you want, your favorite one. <laughs> so I I think one of the things that I would never ever forget was. Um, when I was in my first year, I was flying with this very senior flight attendant. She was, uh, but I was flying a uh, lead or purser on that plane. Mm-hmm. And um, we were landing into LaGuardia. So the gears were already, already down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're preparing for, for landing. Uh, the captain called. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? we're not supposed to be talking to you right right Um, so when he called he was so calm about it and just told us hey uh uh i want you guys to mentally prepare because uh we got an error message and apparently we don't have brakes oh well that's fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) my first year and i'm like okay it said he said don't tell the passengers yet so that nobody will panic but mentally prepare talk to your crew this and that and so we did uh, because he said we're gonna try to fix it ourselves and then if we can't fix it then at least no no you're prepared Mm -hmm. so i told my crew my crew since we're landing in laguardia uh it's probably gonna be a water ditching right right brakes are gonna fall in water exactly very small uh run uh short runway and um so when i told my the senior mama that i will never ever forget she her face just changed completely lost all color right oh no (laughs) i know and i told her like um no we need to just smile and you know, let's pretend that we're talking about, we'll, we'll talk about all the, the things that, the checklist that, right. uh, for teaching. So when it happens, we're not going to be in panic mode. So we were like forcing smiles and talking like. Right, like nothing nothing's was happening. Because right. some passengers up front were like, what's happening? And you were like, oh, no, we just need to turn around because there's traffic in the airport, you know, LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so. I would never ever forget the moment when they actually I guess that was the moment when they reset the plane mm-hmm. so they they uh took the the landing gears back up mm-hmm. and because they reset the plane 
everything turned off. Yeah. So all the sounds that you hear, vibrations, everything was gone. Like everything was so quiet. Mm -hmm. And we were just gliding. Mm -hmm. They were doing that. And so a few minutes go by, I'm like, oh my God, really? This is the day. <laughs> I <I'm> tested <laughs> if I'm a real flight attendant. And of course, right. it's LaGuardia. And the, the landing gears came back on. And uh, I, we were so happy about that. Mm -hmm. And when we got to the airport or to our gate, there were so many ambulance and like fire trucks. Yeah. That's insane. And the passengers were asking, like, hey, why is there so many ambulance or fire trucks? And of course, we can't talk about it because, right. you know, work rules and stuff. And um, you can't talk to the media either. Mm -hmm. So we were just like, oh, we don't know. It's uh, probably yeah. for another aircraft, <laughs> right? They probably messed up. <laughs> and so when everybody got off, the gate agents were like, oh, because the me mechanics came on. Uh, right when we opened the door and mm -hmm. so when everybody was deplaned we were like the gate agents were like hey are you guys okay I'm like no we're not okay like we need a break I think right. we need to have a day off or something right and the gate the the supervisor was like well unfortunately you know they checked the plane and everything's okay so we can only give you guys five minutes before we start boarding again damn even so, <laughs> the condolence <laughs> price yeah you know just imagine the stress that we were going through at that time so we boarded again mm -hmm. obviously after five minutes and uh we were the smiles that we were giving and how are you and this and that nobody knows what had just happened and so we were landing so that flight was going to Detroit. Mm -hmm. We were when we were about to land. That's when we were got really scared because if it's right. gonna happen again, this is not gonna be a water ditching. It's you know land evacuations always right. scarier. Yeah, um, but but obviously we were fine. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh something I would never ever forget being right. a flight. <laughs> it's insane because you know you don't even think about it. Um, I had a similar situation, but I was by myself. Like I was the only crew member on the aircraft. Because I, I, fl I flew like the little planes when I, before I started here at our company. Uh. So um, it was just a quick flight from Chicago to Madison. And, um, and that's usually 15 minutes in the air. That's it. Like no more. So uh. I did like a quick water service. And then I was folding trash bags because I were landing. And the cap and like many minutes went by and I was like, why are we not landing? I like, so um, the captain <laughs> called me and I was like, hey, I was just about to call you. He's like, hey, so like nothing to worry about, but our flaps are stuck and they won't go down. Like, <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like the flaps need to kind of go up to kind of slow the plane down. Yeah. And then he's like, just, he's like, I'm going to make an announcement. He's don't prep the cabin or anything, but, you know, make sure that, um, that there's like no loose items like make sure everything's properly stocked stowed away so he made the announcement i had great passengers that like follow the instructions of the captain so I always we, listen to the captain exactly so, <laughs> you know they never listen to us um but <laughs> but no. so then they stowed everything away um they took off glasses the pens everything was kind of not 
on their person mm-hmm. and it was we landed like a roller coaster but again with the you know like you said there was like a ton of ambulances and mm-hmm. just ems cars and stuff around us it was fine you know so it's always to me in that moment i wasn't even scared for my life like mm-hmm. I, what i was thinking about was what if i do the drills wrong Mm-hmm. which is stupid because at the end of the day we just need to like, get people out know, girl? <laughs> yeah it's not even like oh my god am I gonna die today it's no it's about you know who was like really meant mentally preparing for it is like oh who among these people are, are probably gonna help me or who's gonna impede evacuation mm-hmm. like isn't that crazy that it is yeah <laughs> And we already know, like, uh, we already know who who are the ones that are going to impede the evacuation. Oh, yeah. We know yeah, who's going to try yeah. to grab right their bags. The step on the plane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, it's 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 just crazy. And that's like a lot of the things that go through our head. And up until that point, honestly, I didn't even really take my job seriously in the fact that I was here for their safety after that moment I was like oh my gosh I'm not just here to like serve water you know yeah yeah wow. actually actually because I think I struggled well I'm I maybe with I've mentioned this to you before when we were flying a lot together mm-hmm. but uh, before I was the flight attendant I was the complete wallflower like I would never ever talk to strangers right I would only talk to my friends for it but this this job really taught me to to realize that mm-hmm. if no you're in charge of this plane so if you don't step up be assertive or command know how to command a room All right maybe successful in this career so exactly yeah. yeah so it's insane um so what is your favorite place to visit uh like a layover or I mean, it could be no. Your favorite place on vacation, because I know you've taken plenty of those. <laughs> oh yes, um, this this place I really want to visit again. But I went there before I was a flight attendant. Um, it was it's the Galapagos Islands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this the Galapagos Islands is so amazing. They they control the number of uh, tourists mm-hmm. per day per island. So they rotate, they have like a program or something to rotate. So there's not a lot of people that go there mm-hmm. um, and to protect the nature and stuff. But that was the best snorkeling experience I've ever done. Because when you, they have so many animals, right? And fishes mm-hmm. and stuff, and they're not scared of people. So they really swim with you. So when right. you go there, you feel like you're in the Disney movie where like the animals are swimming with you because they have um i remember there was like giant turtles they have all kinds of fishes manta rays uh sea lions swim with you and penguins they have yeah. penguins yeah it was oh. awesome I, I would i would do that again in a heartbeat you know i'm not a beach vacation person i i can't do the heat very much but i would definitely do that so i can go swimming with the fishes and the penguins and yeah you know. it's uh when you go there like even the giant birds that live there they're not scared of people so you can actually well you can't go too very near and like there's like mm-hmm. maybe like a two meter uh barricade mm-hmm. for like they nest and stuff yeah. but you can go that close like a two meter yeah 
post up to like yeah. look into their nest and they're but they're not they don't they don't bite or anything because they're not scared they yeah that's cool or a threat because nobody really touched them there it's like i think they call it the last frontier that's cool i have to check that out myself all right what's your tip one like one tip for the flying public um i mean you can have more than one but the, the, fir- <laughs> right, the first right, there's one so, <laughs> there's so many i can think of um no i think the flying public doesn't really know how much we appreciate when they're nice to us mm-hmm. uh, when they come on the plane like you know just saying good morning back or hello back right. to us flight attendants when they greet them when they get on the plane um they don't know how much we actually appreciate that because I, I don't know what happened with the flying public. They don't like they some some of them they just look at you and like they just move along. Right. Right. I just talked to you, but okay, I guess we're not talking today. And and you know, re- when that happens repeatedly and on the job, mm-hmm. it kind of creates some, I don't know, it, it affects your psyche for sure. Right, right. Like, yeah. So I feel, and especially when they bring like sweet nothings, right. even just candy, you know, like they don't, they don't know how much we appreciate that. Right, so I, right. that's one tip I could tell them is, you know, when you're nice coming on the plane, it, it actually sets the, the mood of the flight. Right, right. Yeah. So that's, that's good. That's a good one. I, I've sat, I were not sad, but I like, I've stood at the forward door greeting people and they just don't you just say hello good morning and they don't even say anything they just walk past you and a lot of them have like headphones on I don't know I feel like for me when I'm getting on a plane I take off my headphones just because I I want to say hi to the crew but also like I don't want to be in my own little world not being aware of my surroundings yeah you know like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna bump into someone or like hear whatever I may hear and then once I'm seated, seated then I'll put them back on but yeah. I feel like people are so engrossed on their phones and everything when they come on they they miss where they're sitting they miss like they just all of the social cues on the right plane. and I get it like uh traveling is very stressful for a lot of people and I and I see you know uh, some of the those people when they come on the plane, they're just so focused on the next thing to do because mm-hmm. they're not used to flying. Uh, so I get that when they're not even looking at you because mm-hmm. they're so focused on something. To me, like sometimes I don't even say anything anymore because I know they're in their own world. Yeah. What bothers me is is the people that look at you and then just look the other way. Right. They're like I at least it's like at least give me a smile. <laughs> somebody just tried to talk to you and okay I guess we're not talking today right right (laughs) so is that is that your biggest pet peeve or do you have a bigger peeve than that um no my biggest pet peeve on the plane is when uh we needed to accommodate somebody Mm -hmm. of a disability or Mm -hmm. you know we have very small children separated from their moms uh and when you ask somebody uh 
let's say for example sir would you be able to move to this seat one seat forward this is the same seat so that we can accommodate this family because they're separated no i want to stay in my seat yeah it's really the same seat you just don't want to be nice to other people right that's, that's my pet peeve it's like bro you know what i'm trying to do it's not to inconvenience you because i'm giving you exactly the same seat or sometimes a better seat you know mm-hmm. or they but then they insist just because they don't want to be nice that's my biggest pet peeve right yeah. how I about guess, you i don't know for me it's i think um <laughs> it's the the fact that we have certain bins closed and a lot of them say like emergency equipment no stowage and then they, oh. they just go to those one and i was like really <laughs> there in big letters do not stow and then they still open them and then you tell them just go ahead and pick any any overhead bin that's open and they look at you like you're speaking to them in a different language it's like it's like but i'm sitting right here it's like yes but clearly you cannot stow anything where with our emergency equipment so please like just pick anything else that's open (laughs) actually had somebody i had to yell at him because he did open one of our the the life rafts right um and he was trying to put his bag in there and i told him sir you can't put your bag in there just take one of the open bins mm-hmm. you know ahead of your seat and so i closed the bin and then i turned around because i was doing something in the galley mm-hmm. and then turned back around he was trying to move around the raft oh right? my gosh like touching all the handles and stuff so i I mean, obviously, you have to do something at that point. So I, right. I my voice. I said, "Don't, don't touch it. Like, right. you can't move that around." Like, and he's like, "You don't have to yell at me." I'm like, "You almost just killed yourself." Right. You pulled the wrong. They put, yeah, you put the wrong thing, and it's gonna. Oh my god! Like um, those things make me so nervous <laughs> when I'm pre-flighting. Honestly, like yeah. I'm just like I'm just gonna touch yeah. you very lightly. Yeah. Yeah, you pulled the wrong thing it's over yeah i always get so nervous when people try to open i was like sir no i feel like almost that should be the one that has the lock on it yeah and so but yeah (laughs) all right well let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and finish up the episode Hello, everyone. I am Matthew Thomas from Super Cool Radio. Thank you so much for flying with the Flight Attendant Podcast. Hope you enjoy. Okay, and we're back. So now we're going to talk about, um, we're just going to do like one news article. This is from supportive.com. And it's the state of a flight attendant mental health. I feel like we've, we've talked about mental health so much on our podcast. And it's mainly because first of all we're in a tube with over like 200 people plus a flight so it could be up to a thousand people in in the um um whatchamacallit in the yeah in a day so that's insane that we like talk to so many different people in a day and then we after all of that then we go and we are by ourselves in our hotel room for like up to 28 hours sometimes 30 hours you know and it's it's like where do you find the balance on that but so this or, is or it's very short the layover yes. where you can't even get a good sleep <laughs> right right exactly so um 
Okay, so flight attendants manage their unique career circumstances remarkably well. In order to take care of the needs of passengers, often at the expense of their own needs, they face unpredictable schedules, emotional labor, extended time away from loved ones, and disruptions to circadian rhythm. All of these factors make it hard to manage mental health as a flight attendant, despite one's best efforts. Even pre-pandemic, flight attendants were known to contend with specific career-related emotional struggles, such as high-functioning alcoholism and substance abuse, sleep issues, relationship troubles, and the long-term consequences of emotional labor on the job. Between the loss of the more fulfilling aspect of the job, like enjoying foreign localities, locales, without health and safety fears, the increase of violent and unruly passengers, and the cumulative stress of the pandemic's uncertainties, many flight attendants now find themselves in a mental health tailspin. Many are at the brink of burnout or resignation. And I have, I don't know if you've seen it, but I've seen it a lot, especially yeah. at our company. Like people are just quitting left and right and they're not even going to other airlines. They're just done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, on this job too, like on the first six months, you will know exactly if it's for you or not. Mm -hmm. Notice, um, uh, and at least in my airline, a lot of our new flight attendants are leaving because they can't handle it. And I'm like, I, I and I understand it. And also, but also on the other hand, like if you haven't worked the pandemic as a supply attendant, right. you, you really don't know what stress is. So if you're already quitting right now, it's, I think it's best. Right. Exactly. Just, it might not be for you. So the state of flight attendant mental health pre-COVID, it's no secret that flight attendants put forth a huge amount of emotional labor what is less known is that the very concept of emotional labor and its side effects was first studied among a group that most clearly experienced it, flight attendants. Emotional labor and stuffing emotions, the very nature of the job hasn't changed much since those seminal studies on flight attendant mental health. For anyone who hasn't been a flight attendant, just imagine the reality of this role. A lot of us are suffering from a really bad anxiety being trapped in a tube with people all day, we're not allowed to show our real emotions ever. I actually swear in my sleep and scream. And I swear it must be because I'm not allowed to express my emotions. And that's so true because I feel myself that I have to comp compartmentalize everything in my life. Like there's certain things I can't do and say at work, obviously. And then even then, like just trying to release all of that in my layover it's kind of like I don't want to do that either because then like I'm stuck in this cycle of like like I have to turn off turn on and yeah. you know it's and then I can't you know I, sometimes you can't do it at home because of your family stuff that you have going on so like where do you draw the line honestly yeah I guess when you're home too you you kind of want to have quality time with your family or your loved ones or your mm -hmm. or your friends so you also don't want to spend it ranting mm -hmm. about your job or <clears throat> expressing your frustrations because usually, you know, it's it's a party pooper. Like, mm -hmm. you know, expressing stuff like that usually has a stigma and it kind of ruins the mood. So there, I, I get it. Like, even when we talk to our loved ones, even on the phone, you kind of don't want to talk about it because you you want to just have a good, Time. right 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 so because of the job demands such a high because the job demands such high level of emotional composure flight attendants may learn to stuff their emotions rather than coping in relative real time these individuals often feel stuck with their struggles and may resist 
seeking assistance from others, airlines emotional culture, combined with the very real emotional pressures of this work, one leaves flight attendants' unique emotional needs unmet. So sleep deprivation and circadian disruption are uh, the sleep deprivation is due to insomnia or party heart culture, maybe more of an issue pre-COVID, and has significant impact on emotional well-being. The CDC describes that inadequate sleep correlates with significant increased odds of frequent mental uh, distress. Even circadian disruption without sleep deprivation concretely harms mental and physical health, as described in a recent paper on the journal Nature. I'll post that link on the note so we don't have to open that now. Um, it's not news that flight attendants can experience circadian rhythm disruption due to travel through multiple time zones. For instance, when compared to teachers as a control group, one study showed that flight attendants are more likely to experience circadian disruption as measured by melatonin production. Other mm. studies have shown similar results compared to the general population. Um, I do feel myself sometimes where, like, I mean, I was just telling you that I slept in so long today because I was just so tired. I wasn't able to sleep on the plane on the way here. So it it does messes with my circadian rhythm. Yeah. Um, no, yesterday I didn't do anything either because uh, well, I went to Chicago for Easter but then the flight that was uh, I was gonna take to come home uh, was at five a.m. Mm -hmm. I didn't really sleep, so yeah. on the flight I couldn't sleep either because obviously there's there's a lot of noise uh, on the airplane and it's uncomfortable. So mm -hmm. I just when I got in yesterday, I just I didn't do anything. I was supposed to do some things, but like no today <laughs> right exactly we're gonna self-care <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i got because i'm in i'm in england so i got in and i just kind of watched tv i ate and i fell asleep so early and then i still slept to like 1 40 and then i was like i should not have slept in that long but i guess like at that point my body need like knew that it needed it but yeah and you know what i think it's very important that that we listen to our bodies because mm -hmm. it, we will tell you when it's tired because just like you know how we felt but you know when we're on the job as flight attendants especially when when we're on trips just imagine this is just for the general public mm -hmm. uh, imagine uh not having enough sleep right or because of the changing time zones and then you have to be pretend to be happy and perky right and then repeat the process and doing that for years i can only imagine i mean like i've experienced those things myself so right yeah. it's insane so relationships and social quality time Re stable relationships and social quality time can counteract the mental health impact can counteract the mental health impact of stress and sleep issues but unfortunately flight attendants often feel deprived of both due to the nature of the career Dating is difficult due to unpredictable schedules, and it's difficult to maintain fulfilling relationships relationships of all kinds when you're constantly traveling and giving your emotional energy to strangers. Um, I remember this one time eons ago when I was dating, like this one guy, he it was it was um Valentine's Day, and we had made plans and I got stuck in South Florida. I couldn't get out. Like it just, it was. And so when I tried to explain it to him, it's like, he's like, but I, we had plans. And I was like, I understand that, but like, this is the nature of my job. 
So needless to say, never, it didn't stay with that guy. <laughs> no, it's very, um, and this, and since you share that, um, I would, I can say it's very difficult to have a stable dating relationship <clears throat> when with somebody who is not in the aviation industry. It is hard, yeah. If, if they're not in the aviation industry, they have to have some kind of busy schedule as mm -hmm. well. They will understand what we really go through in our everyday lives. Um, I have I actually am dating a flight attendant mm -hmm. very first time, right? Yeah. Because the entire time I was a flight attendant, I, I my senior mom was our senior mom was told me don't ever date a pilot or a flight attendant. They just <laughs> headache and I know you know I get I get it I because I, I see it, you know on the line but never did uh seriously date somebody so I've been dating like regular they, we call them muggles, <laughs> muggles <yeah. laughs> they don't fly um but then it never really worked out and like nobody really would understand that you would be away from home most of the time mm-hmm and when you're home, you actually just want to stay home. Right. Because higher day F. Uh, yeah. And and so I finally, I actually, you know, just came to at peace with it. I'm just going to be that rich single uncle, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, so I met my boyfriend now and uh we actually just celebrated our first anniversary a few days hey, ago. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, and I'm very, see, like, I'm very happy. And I think I'm in a, we're in the right space and, and head space uh, and uh, situation in our lives where uh, we can take, you know, our relationship serious and make it work regardless if we don't, because we, we don't body bid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but because, you know, when, when somebody you're dating understands exactly what you're going through, you don't have to explain anything to them. Right. And my life has been at peace for a year now. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you when you're dating in the first stages of like dating someone new where you have to explain to them all of our um, all of our what you like all uh, abbreviations like you know everything and they're like yeah. well what is that or you know what's a deadhead or you know like why, why are you calling packs you know passengers packs and things and I'm just like it's you know what we call them what we do yeah it, it is hard because even if you've been together for a long time well maybe there are exceptions but they won't fully grasp the concepts entirely right right but, yeah so let's continue on self-medication as a way to manage mental health without robust day-to-day -day social support many flight attendants self-medicate or drink to excess this known aspect of flight attendant culture can be both can both produce social pressure to drink and normalize high-functioning alcoholism without a safe base to discuss issues flight attendants can't pursue solutions and numbing out begins to make more and more sense one flight attendant describes substance culture. If anyone in the airline or public safety industry said they don't drink, it's one of two things. Either they're recovering, uh, they're a recovering alcoholic or a liar. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it does, it does become a norm of like, we need to, since we can't really say what we want to 
stay at work and do what mm-hmm. we want to do or look at people the way that we sh- want to look at them because they're doing something idiotic. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, we need to decompress, you know, like debrief at, with right. a drink or whatever. And it can get to a point where you're drinking every night heavily for days at a time if you're on a trip with especially with people that you know and that's just what it is yeah you know what um I can totally relate to that because it just I don't know why it just is happening to me right now when I'm on my ninth year already uh when I can't sleep I I have to drink right because I'm a sleepy drunk Mm -hmm. so when I really need what, let's say when I have a very short layover or a very stressful day, for me to be able to sleep soundly, I need to drink something. Right. And it, it hasn't been every day yet. And I'm thankful that it's not that case, but I know how it starts. Like I can relate, you know, I guess, you know, this is how it starts. Right. So I, recognizing that I, I try to really just you know, do some things before bed or hours before bed so that I know my mind will be at ease and I'll be able to sleep during the night. Right. Yeah, drinking alcohol for it. Right. I think I've taken to like taking melatonin. Um, But part of it, I think part of like what saves me as opposed to like another flight attendant who just um, can't fall asleep or like yourself and I and I'm not just saying like that, that I'm, I just I hate drinking by myself because my mom has like this fear has instilled this fear in me of like you shouldn't be drinking by yourself and being a, a daughter of a Hispanic mother with that fear and just kind of and I'm so I I just don't like drinking by myself mm-hmm. I don't because I like to enjoy it socially right with other people and but I feel like the moment like you said like the moment where you recognize that I feel like that's the moment that I would just kind of stop drinking for a little while at least and I think like lately I have been more respectful of other people's flight attendants saying oh I can't I don't want to have a drink like okay like if you just want to hang and talk that's fine you know I feel like that's also a boundary that some people need to respect and set if that's what they are looking to do, you know, because I don't want to push anyone to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, And I hear that a lot lately. So that's, that's why I laughed because uh, the article said it's either they're a liar, it's they're recovering. Right. Um, But yeah, no, I I experienced that too when some flat tenants really just want to go out. Mm-hmm. and drink you know and uh I'm not like that anymore I in when I was in my 20s oh man like we would still party when we have a short layover right and that wasn't even a, I don't even consider it as an alcohol problem it was more of like we just needed to decompress and going out and dancing was you know right one, one way of doing that right <clears throat> but yeah no I I'd taken that tone in and at some point, I already started taking like 30 mil. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is not good. I can't. <laughs> I mean, you just have to sometimes five, you, right? Right. Sometimes <laughs> you just need, yeah, it's a lot. And like, sometimes you just need a nightcap. And I have known to have like the small little nightcap before bed. But, um, but, it's it's just ridiculous the fact that because we go through so many time zones, we'd go through so many emotions during the day that and I try not to harp on things like once I'm off the plane 
I leave it off. Like I leave it on the plane. I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to take it with me. And I will anecdote back to it every once in a while, you know, it's like, Oh, this happened to me once, but I don't like harp on it and say it over and over again, because that's just perpetuating the fact that I haven't let go of this or like, I can't pa move past that emotion, you know? Mm. And also I think, you know, it's part of adulting that, you like in this job you really can't take anything personally mm -hmm. it's a learning curve because when you start out um it would affect you like the right. root procedures and stuff but then you know doing it for so many years you already know oh this is the same thing over and over and if i let this bother me mm -hmm. um there's no point really yeah i um, had to um I had to, I had, we had to offboard someone the other day because they were dressed inappropriately. They were wearing underwear. And I was like, I was like, yeah, they were just wearing Spanx and like a tube. Top. And oh, I was just like, cool. I was like, I was like, honey, I'm like, do you mind just going into the lab and putting some pants on? She got, she got an attitude. And, you know, I know how I can come across sometimes. So I made sure that I was not using my regular be voice you know i was just you know like being extra nice about it but she still caught an attitude so anyway she ended up getting off but at the end of the flight um or somewhere between the flight um the guy one of the one somebody got up and they're like oh so like does that happen often i was like he's like oh it's like was that a first time thing and i was like no it happens more often than you think he's like oh well what does that say about you i was like it says that oh, i don't I was like, I was like, excuse me, like, I, I, it's like, what does that say about the flying public? Like, you guys yeah. can't, can't like follow instructions properly. Like, you, you aren't dressed properly, and then you're mad at me. Like, do you want to get off the plane too? <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, it's hard. like even as a gay guy, I'm, I can't really tell them. Also, because not just because I'm male, but also because I can't keep up with the trends. Right. You know, like with you girls, at least you know which which is underwear, right? Right. Some come come with like bra looking things right. or, or underwear looking things. Right. Or, but I can't say anything because I don't like I don't know if it's underwear or if it's actually outerwear. Right. But you guys, the women can tell. So that I leave it up, I leave it up to you. And that's and that and that was part and that was part of the problem is that all of my like, gate agents were men. But she this girl yeah. made it all the way through TSA and down to my aircraft. Like, did no women see this girl at all to be like, hey sweetheart, like you should put some pants on? Like, wow. yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> what does that say about you <laughs> i was like i just I was like seriously like why does it fall on me like why can't people just put on clothes yeah, <laughs> so... <it does. laughs> anyway COVID's impact on flight attendant mental health since the pandemic began in early 2020 flight attendants have undergone repeated crises that have that have many at their physical and emotional breaking points one flight attendant for american airlines quoted in a cnn article elaborates We've gone through worrying about our health and safety, worrying about our jobs. Now we're worrying about our safety in a different way. Hmm. The rate of conflict with unruly passengers has jumped, has jumped drastically, leaving flight attendants to spend precious energy worrying about their safety and having their boundaries respected. 
-hmm. in my career, in my entire career, I have never experienced what we're experiencing right now. I go to work and I always worry what's going to happen, what's going to trip someone up, trigger their anger. It's a whole new ball game out there right now. And it's different type of passenger that we're seeing at the moment. Of course, there's nothing airlines can do about these passengers, but they can at least provide flight attendants with resources to engage with their rightful frustrations and worries. I feel like, I, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but like right before COVID, it was like sweet, sweet flying. Passengers oh. were starting to like respect us again. Yeah. And, you know, they were following our rules. They were being nice and kind. And then just COVID took all that away. <laughs> yeah, we were like, we're back to zero. Yeah. It's anarchy out there. It's right. horrible. And then it's, it, and it's not like, and it's not like passengers, like at first everybody was so scared. People were wearing the mask, people were mm -hmm. doing social distancing. And then it became like, how much can I get away with? Yeah, man. I, that's why I always say if you weren't a flight attendant during the pandemic and you're stressed out right now, then maybe it really is not the right career for you. Because it does require a lot, right? Like what you mentioned earlier, uh, it does require a lot of compartmentalization mm -hmm. and patience. Patience. If I could buy patience from you know, wholesale, I would do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I will not run out of it. But yeah, it's it's a lot of that, and you have to set yourself aside so that you can serve your passengers better right it's, yeah that's how i look at it and it does it does a lot of things to your psyche for mm -hmm. sure yeah yeah i can't i i don't remember i mean i've had like flights where nothing has gone wrong but at the same time, we're always so used to something going wrong that we're mm. already heightened in our senses. Like, what can go wrong? Like, what can I do so that this doesn't happen? You know, like, why should I? And, that's, and we shouldn't have to do it like that. We shouldn't have to come to work, you know, preempt, preemptively, like thinking something bad is going to happen. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I can relate to that because when my flights are so quiet, I'm like, this is sus. Something yeah. to go down. <laughs> right. Down, check what's happening. You know, like when children are so quiet, there's something right. wrong. Why are they right. so quiet? <laughs> and then I and then I have those flights where nothing happens. And then months later, I get an email from the company. Like this happened on this flight. And I was like, nothing happened on that flight. Like, what are you no, talking no, about? Like, <laughs> how would you expect me to remember? You know, this was months ago. I've already done millions of flights at this point. I remember um I remember one time I got one of those emails like hey this this uh, passenger said x xyc happened on this flight can you elaborate and I was like no I cannot elaborate because this was such a rare occurrence of like nobody seeing anything that mm. I like nobody so it was I don't know if you remember but like a few years ago Atlanta's airport just like completely lost power the entire airport I don't know if you <laughs> Or if you were flying during that time, it just, but, it, this was maybe like four, four years ago ish or something like that before pandemic, like the airport just completely lost power. Like no airline could take off. Be, like wow. 
planes were landing, but we were stuck on the tarmac for a little while because nobody could push back because they couldn't board because everything had gone. You know, like it was just crazy. They're stuck. Yeah, and then I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. So, but like, but that was that that flight is ingrained in my mind because nobody complained. Like no one complained. Like like all of the passengers were understanding, like nobody was like, but my flights, you know, da, 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 I have a connecting flight and this and that. Everybody was so understanding. It like stood out in my mind. So I think it was like a week or two later, I got this email about this passenger. It was like, no, like this flight is ingrained in my mind because no one complained. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing that came to mind when you said a power outage for the entire airport is the trauma of having to walk from from our gate oh god yes. <laughs> to baggage claim man it's literally a two mile walk it is insane <laughs> i i don't that i've always said that airport is so long for unnecessarily reasons yeah because when the trains are not running like it's a two mile walk right <laughs> you better get your cardio <laughs> on <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, all right flight attendants have weathered the storm with flying colors how they can find better mental health support. Apparently, the common resource resources offered to flight attendants aren't working well enough. For instance, flight attendants might technically have access to traditional mental health resources like therapy, but there are clear obstacles to their utilization of these services. Unpredictable schedules can get in the way of a regular therapy, and additionally, it may be difficult to find a provider who understands mental health specifically within the airline industry. How many therapists are former flight attendants? Flight attendants don't really get much from talking to a professional who hasn't experienced their struggles firsthand. Many flight attendants feel dedicated to their jobs, but struggle increasingly without better solutions to their unique mental health context. In terms of validation, productive venting, and real world solutions, peers have worked in the airline industry are much, peers who have worked in the airline industry are much better positioned to provide effective support. If you're a flight attendant who would like to take action for your mental health with support from others who can relate, consider seeking out peers. It's better than keeping it all and consolidating and soldiering on, on alone. And it's true. Um, there is this one. I don't know if you've heard of them, like therapy. You know, um, it's called the therapy. Oh, it's on. Somebody mentioned that before yeah so um so the uh it's called it's just therapy it's the mm-hmm. award-winning nonprofit organization focused on mental health and the well-being of flight attendants they you can text or whatsapp crew to 1833-532-1096 i'll post that on the episode's notes as well but it is i and and it's just not not just with mental health but i have you know especially for us in just regular health period there are many former flight attendants or former people in the industry that know our struggles especially with mental health or even just like trying to find a um, primary care physician like a lot of them don't know like you know so do you there's a lot of resources out there um but i think that even so, this is my personal opinion, obviously, about the stigmatization of having mental health struggles is what's keeping people from seeking help. Because mm-hmm. even with myself, you know, I, I've struggled 
like more than just about the pandemic during the last couple of years. And, you know, talking to a therapist and especially when you can only do like, you know, maybe once a week, because mm -hmm. the therapist would like tell you, okay, let's meet once a week or once every two weeks. Because uh, they're, you know, they're, they, they schedule you for how many ever they think you would need. But sometimes you need more, like you need more answers. You need, uh, you need more than just once a week. That's right. uh, what it is. So I, uh, when, when I was doing that and I was unsatisfied with, and you know being able to talk to somebody for months a week I did turn to book books mm -hmm. uh, and I started understanding how the brain really works mm -hmm. I think that you know I mean because that's where you have to start really you can you can't start with you know oh yeah this is because I have childhood trauma and this and that I think you you need you need to start knowing how the brain really functions so that you'll know exactly what is going on like chemically and, and physiologically in your body right and, yeah have you thought about going into like psychology um i have thought about it before and and when i talk to uh, other people about mental health and they uh they ask me the same thing um it does it does uh, come to mind, but at the same time, I kind of want to offer a different perspective. Mm -hmm. How we we deal with our mental struggles because um, there is therapy and there's um, you know there are organizations that would help you with your struggles, but I look at it personally as almost kind of like when you're trying to work out right gym right or mm -hmm. somebody is trying to lose weight um no matter how your personal trainer you know what they tell you this you do diet this and these are your reps for the day and stuff um it comes from inside mm -hmm. like your motivation always comes from yourself so i feel like knowing yourself first and knowing how your brain works would really help open up those, you know, those doors to give you answers on why you have this anxiety and why you have, you know, and how you better deal with your traumas. Right. Yeah. So you said at the beginning, when I asked you how you've been, you said you were struggling. Um, you And then we, you know, from our previous conversations, you'd been struggling um just mentally and stuff and you but you, and you did come out with a game right <laughs> yes so I, did. I I was actually speaking to I was speaking to one of our mutual friends and he was like yeah I was just in Florida and I saw Jack and we played his game and it was really cool oh really yeah who, was, who did uh, that I'm oh gonna... no I know who you're talking about okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah they just played the game um yeah, so to be like, this is a very personal thing to share, but because now I don't consider this as a weakness anymore, and mm -hmm. I consider this as a part of my triumph over my mental struggles, mm -hmm. is I was um, 
unbeknownst to a lot of people, because not a lot of people really know, um, I was institutionalized. Oh. In um, I committed myself, like I, I called on myself because there was no, there was no other way. Right. Like I, and you know how um, we hear it a lot, you know, of Latin and it's, it's very rampant. Uh, committing suicide mm -hmm. and or harming themselves uh in my mind I didn't want to be a statistic mm -hmm. I'm like no I'm not gonna be that I'm gonna do something else I'm gonna try to make something out of myself maybe learn from this experience but of course that wasn't the 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 mindset I had when coming into you know, or, or getting committed right right something has got to give like something right. has to come out of my experience right and um uh, I, I feel like most of our mental struggles become what they are because they're cumulative right they they just they accumulate uh in your in your psyche and yeah, because we're not we're a society that stigmatize you know, mm -hmm. mental struggles. We we tend to not deal with them, right? Way, and I think the first step and what really helped me was open communication, mm -hmm. like just talk about it. Right. Not at parties, obviously, but you gotta have somebody to talk to. And I think with us flight attendants. <laughs> the jump seat confessions that we do mm -hmm. yeah it's the instant question right. um but yes uh i did create something out of my experience uh i i created this game it's dark humor for mental health i mean i feel like we have to have a little dark humor in our profession <laughs> otherwise <laughs> and i think we're the perfect people too right exactly <laughs> to enjoy it um yeah so it, what inspired it is not just my experience uh having struggles with mental health but also knowing people that have no problems right what did they do like what how did they process how did uh, their brain uh process stress and i've noticed that it's the more vocal people mm -hmm they have less worries yeah and i mean we already know that but again as a, as a society and in our in our career it's we're not supposed to talk about things right. like you know yeah. we can only say so much uh and so i came up with this game uh inspired by the strangers uh that we don't even have to meet but they, they give you, you know, inconveniences in their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. For example, like the, the driver who doesn't use their turn signals. Mm. Don't have to meet them, but they incited anger for sure. Right. 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 Um, the person who doesn't flush. Oh, so, gosh. <laughs> you follow them and of course you get so mad. But again... Uh, these things we just we we brush them off because we haven't met the person, 
right? And we always think, oh, it's no big deal. But repeatedly, these things, these small things actually cause micro traumas. So they right. cause tears in our psyche and lead us to believe that, oh, no, you deserve less than what you're having right now. You know how, like we talked about on our earlier, uh, we always look for something wrong right. to happen around the corner when everything's going right. right. So that's part of it. So also when you have pet peeves, we actively seek a, a solution because we don't want something to happen because mm -hmm. it's a pet peeve. Those are actually coping mechanisms mm -hmm. that, that we do because we have micro traumas that we haven't dealt with. Right, right. And yeah. so in this game, this game's called Serial Killer. And it's not what you think. I mean, do you do you <laughs> see yourself as a serial killer in this game? <laughs> oh, it's so funny because I played this game with so many people uh, already, but I haven't won one game. Oh my ever. god! <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else always wins, and I'm like, why? I can't even win my own game. <laughs> hey, that's another micro drama you're creating right. there for yourself. <laughs> um yeah so in this game you pair uh deaths to the victims mm -hmm. and the victims in this game are those strangers that cause micro traumas and their behaviors so when you pair de and deaths to the victims you kind of have like the symbolic uh closure and validation from the trauma that you had mm. uh, with these strangers uh, the deaths in this game are very interesting because they're the ones that you already know. Because right. I get inspiration from, you know, the most iconic deaths from movies, uh, TV, books, and, and even in history. Uh, so yeah, it's a very fun game, very dark. Uh, I don't advise playing it if you're queasy mm. <laughs> or okay. if you if you're you know, it, it's not for the faint of heart. It's it's for people with dark humor. You can understand dark humor. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's available on Kickstarter now. Uh, hoping to get funded so I can make it into a reality and sell yeah. it for reals. Yeah. And I can't wait for us to actually play this game. I remember you have dark humor too. I do. Definitely. <laughs> definitely is in here. I think, I feel like um us children of um immigrants have a little bit darker humor than anybody else you know what i think it's a prerequisite yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i we have to cope somehow right <laughs> from all that i was what was i watching the other day um that said um i can't remember I, but it was like essentially to the fact that like us my at least for me it was true that we had to call like all of the all of the utility companies because our parents couldn't communicate and stuff like that so <laughs> or like order pizza or whatever because our parents couldn't communicate in English and I was like that is so me <laughs> I learned how to negotiate my bill down when I was so young <laughs> wow what did I have to do well I came here when I was 19 mm -hmm. oh you know what it's what my biggest adjustment was the 
I didn't know sarcasm. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, like, English was my second language. So when people are being sarcastic to me, like, I just, I thought they were serious. Oh, like, no. I, <laughs> I caught on to that pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I couldn't relate to uh, pop culture, mm -hmm. like the, the pop references yeah that they put in jokes and stuff like I couldn't because I, I grew up in the Philippines so that right. was that was my biggest adjustment <laughs> I feel like for me it was kind of the same but and then even now I still am like well why do people reference that like I have to go look for it and then I understand it and I'm like oh that makes sense <laughs> yeah. yeah um there's like so much that would have just been like a regular thing for us if we had been raised here in the states from like a very young age but you know what i look at it as hey we know two cultures right mm -hmm. yeah. at least two if you're if you just have two um and we know two languages right so I, I i guess like back in the day like even in the 2012 2011 like people don't really look at you know, being an immigrant as an advantage, but these days I feel like when you have even speak multiple languages, like people acknowledge that and right, yeah, it's a strength now. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I feel like it's always been. It's just you know, but anyway. Um, so your game is on Kickstarter. Um, you did send me the stuff, so I'll put that on the show notes and everything, and I'll also add something on our instagram about it so that okay. way people can actually see it and stuff i haven't pre-ordered mine just because i'm on vacation now but i will pre-order it at some point oh thank you <laughs> no, a lot of people are, it's so funny i just got this insight the other day a lot of people are actually waiting for payday oh yeah oh that's right payday yeah. is coming. i just i just didn't even think about that but yeah i guess that word yeah, that would make sense comments, i right. see they message me hey don't worry i'm gonna pre-order it but not until payday but see, this is the thing. Um, I mean, I understand it. Like, no, pre-order and payday because, you know, if you feel better about it. But Kickstarter won't actually charge you until I get fully funded. So oh, okay. if I don't get funded, um, it, they won't charge anybody. I don't actually keep any of the money. It just... Okay. I mean, uh, I don't know how that works, So, but that's it's cool. It's just a pledge at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're trying to make 20K and we have, I guess... 20 days left um i i think it's doable uh crossing my fingers i yeah. mean yeah. i'll put it on the i'll put it on the instagram and i'm sure like i i'm sure people especially because it does help with like you know psychologically kind of helps you release whatever it is that you have going on in your head in a different way than having to drink or having to self-medicate and you know all of that other stuff right this um one insight that i've gotten after i created the game was wow it actually does let you validate and give you closure from your micro traumas but you don't even have to mention it right so it's almost kind of like taking away the stigma of having those traumas because those are those are already part of the game and when you mm -hmm. talk about it because the deaths are some of them are very uh brutal or very uh graphic so when you when when somebody wins and they talk about their experience yeah i would really just want to want them to you know take a plane and that plane crashes or something like that right <laughs> 
um, it does it does give you that satisfaction and then you don't have to file it in your brain anymore yeah you just let it go yeah. I'm definitely interested in playing this game next time yeah. in Florida I'm gonna call you be like let's play <laughs> I've been telling everybody like if you have a layover please let me know so we can play mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even think that it was going to be fun because um when your friend who mentioned mm-hmm. <laughs> his name his name's Eric Eric yeah <laughs> <laughs> or uh it was there was just the three of us playing the game and I thought it was gonna, gonna suck because it requires at least three and up mm-hmm. or the deadlier right but it was actually really fun because I think when there's less people maybe three four or five that's when you can actually have time to talk about your process right. yeah why did you want to kill this person this way and that way and your experiences and, and and anecdotes about what happened so yeah it's I, I I enjoy it personally. Like even if I played it multiple times now, I still enjoy the game. Not because the cards are interesting. I mean, they are very funny, but it's what you learn about your friends mm-hmm. when you play it. Right. It's really making me very happy that you know people want to play it. Right learned so much yeah yeah <laughs> and That's... we have four expansions actually um and those are even darker so <laughs> oh, i can't wait to play all of it <laughs> but um we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll finish out the episode all right hey there this is bobby with the rock guys podcast and you are listening to the flight attendants podcast your pre-flight requisite 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 do you hear that? Oh, wait, no, it's gone. There was an alarm going off somewhere. <laughs> okay, so we're back. Um, we're just going to wrap up the show now. I don't know what I'm doing with my microphone. Uh, <laughs> um, so are you reading any books or watching any shows? Um. Yes. So I've just been reading business books lately because uh, of my Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. But I do have uh, some books that I would recommend to people who are struggling with understanding how their brain works. And it's this one called Chatter by Ethan Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the voice in your head, why it matters and how to harness it. Mm. So. Yeah, it actually touches a little bit more on um, your childhood trauma and how it rewired your brain, how you automatically process uh, situations in your life and how you're able to redirect it. And then there's another one called The Rewired Brain by Dr. Ski Shelton. It's free yourself of negative behaviors and release your best self. So it's almost kind of, they feed off of each other. They don't, they're not associated with each other, but these books are um, kind of related in the same field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about. And the one that really helped me uh, process things is called uh, Homecoming. Okay. It's, it's by John Bradshaw. It's uh, reclaiming and healing your inner child. So yeah. 
I, I think all our struggles and how we process things in our lives always goes back to what happened in our childhood. Yeah. I think it's very important for people to actually have access to that information. Of course. It a lot. It helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So those three books definitely. Okay, we'll have to check them out. I do like reading. I'm just reading a memoir right now. It's called The Breaking in the beauty in breaking so it's written by a um by a doctor and she basically it's hold on, i'm trying to find uh, by michelle harper and she basically just talks about her upbringing and how it pushed her to be a doctor an er doctor and she's just like taking from pretty much all of her patients and her upbringing to kind of break down her own psyche and stuff so that's pretty cool it is kind of like a movement now it's i don't i won't i don't want to call it like self-medication right it's just more self-discovery like how your brain works right because every uh like every anxiety is different it stems from your own experiences so yeah it, it will help when you learn how your brain works right it definitely and I feel like just learning my arm it's just it just helps with everything else do even I don't want to say like coping but just understanding and what we actually need like I feel that you are a very strong person to realize that you needed help and a lot of people take the easy way out i.e suicide or self-harm and stuff like that but just to actually reach and reach out to say hey i'm not doing well i need help it's very strong you know the funny thing about that night when i called when the ambulance the police and the ambulance were coming over to my house when mm-hmm. they were on <laughs> i was on the phone with one of our supervisors because i was telling them hey i'm going to the hospital <laughs> i'm not gonna make my trip tomorrow <laughs> are you refusing to fly <laughs> like for some reason that was still it's almost kind of like getting my affairs in line right <laughs> Just I don't get out until like <laughs> I don't know a month or a, I I fortunately I only had to stay for a little over a week but <laughs> Okay, you just but, never know yeah right. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <somebody like>, know. <laughs> all right it's it's like have you seen, i'm sure you've seen those memes we've all seen them where it said like if you're in a car accident and work is like are you still coming to work <laughs> <laughs> like when are you coming back you're in the hospital but when you're coming back right. <laughs> oh um, no yeah they did help me uh, uh kudos to them the supervisors and our union uh reps they did help me a lot mm-hmm. uh, that time so very very uh thankful for those people I feel like I feel like it should it's only it should it's just right not even like it it shouldn't even be it should be the uh, standard bare minimum to make sure that your crew members whether what whatever position they're in be taken care of mentally because honestly yeah. from anywhere from like gate agents all the way to every to guest service whatever um we get beat up a lot mentally and sometimes physically it's insane like yeah in any field even if you're a guest facing employee Mm -hmm. you 
you need to talk about your experiences, your your frustrations. Uh, talk to somebody about them, because it when it accumulates. Oh, I I forgot to mention. I really like uh, in your previous episode way back in twenty twenty when um your co-host was saying it's like a bottle of soda mm-hmm. that you know the situations that happen in their lives you know they cause the bottle to shake right need to release it you need to open the soda very gently and mm-hmm. uh, otherwise it's gonna explode right yeah so finding those little pockets of opportunities to release your frustrations and your anger and your anxiety you know little by little to other right. people right will help so. you not get to that point for oh, sure that's, yeah that's for sure like we have to find a balance somewhere so are you watching any shows or no? oh yes um i can't wait for house of the dragon to come back <laughs> <laughs> I actually just oh I it blew my mind this new show on Netflix called Beef mm-hmm. uh yes Ali Wong and Stephen Yun from the Walking Dead yeah uh, it's about these two drivers that got into a road rage oh. incident and it does touch a lot about mental health and I really like the show because I've never seen any show like that before. Yeah. Like twists and turns and the, the specific references to the Asian culture is just astounding. To yeah. me, it's a five-star show. I oh. really love it. I finished it in like two days. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, is yeah. that on Netflix or Hulu? It's on Netflix. Okay, I'll have to check yeah. it out too. I don't. I I've been playing so much that honestly I haven't. And I feel like I say this all the time. Like I just put on the same shows all the time. But I did start watching. Um, and I'm watching it very slowly, like very extremely slowly, to the point where I forgot what I'm watching. Uh, <laughs> um, it's the that documentary with Michael Jordan. It's called The Last Dance. So it's. Oh. And it's actually really interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, just because it's it has um, a lot. I feel like a lot of the documentaries and docu series have like a lot of undertone regarding like mental health and like pushing you physically mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but the other one that I'm also watching is the pharmacist, and I and that's about um, a pharmacist that was, I guess, sub- subscribing like oxycodone or something like that i honestly kind of forgot i watched about it yeah and then the other one is the mh370 the plane that disappeared the malaysian airs oh yeah i i I wanted to see that too yeah so yeah Yeah, there's a lot of shows out there um there's even this one it's a musical uh called up there is it is it up there Mm -hmm. it's may whitman uh it's it's about mental health because the it's uh they have these voices inside their head mm-hmm. but the voices actually they they they're like almost kind of uh different characters in the story too oh, so cool. it will show you what's exactly going on in their head with uh, by using those characters 
Oh, so kind of like Inside Out, but like adult edition. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I, I have to I check out the second episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check those out. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, thank you for coming on the show and telling no, us about thank your you game. So much for catching up and uh, of course, yeah, and and allowing me to tell you about serial killer. I yeah. think a lot of people will enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> they will. I definitely can't wait to have it so I can play it with my friends. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Let me know it. Maybe we can play together. Yes, yes. Next time I'm in <laughs> Florida, I don't go yeah. down there often, but I will. Um, I will make sure to let you know next time I'm there yay so, all right so don't forget to listen to us on um, apple podcasts and spotify and amazon music um, you can also follow us on instagram at the flight attendant podcast you can email us at the flight podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at stay safe fly safe and we'll talk to you guys next time stay safe fly safe thank you jack for coming on thank you all right, bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, we're going <laughs> to...